We need to be challenged, um, you know, again, I, I totally get that. Don't hang out with people that just echo what you already think, and this is huge. That it, you need to actually have a couple of people that you meet with who uh, think exactly the opposite from you, because it will challenge your beliefs. You'll either have the evidence to support them in your discussions, or hopefully you'll go away and think about why do I actually think that? Is it based on fact or is it based on some previous bias? And do I need to review that? My guest today is Sharon Knightson, who is based in Brisbane, Australia. Sharon is the founder and managing director of People Mode, who partner with CEOs, boards, and heads of human resource divisions. And Sharon supports organizations with transition talent and leadership with a specific focus on neuroscience and psychological safety in the workplace. Sharon, welcome to the Inspiring Business Podcast. Thank you, Steve. It's wonderful to be here and thank you for the opportunity. Oh, you're more than welcome. I um, really want to de- dive deeply into the neuroscience um, because I know that that's a passion of yours and you've trained in that area. Um, so yeah, really want to get in, into that. But um before we do that, perhaps you could just give the listener a little bit of context and your background and how you ended up, um, you know, where you are today. Well, it's something that I actually fell into, um, to be honest. Um, it's not something that I had planned to do. Um, I've always been an avid people watcher and always been fascinated by people's behaviours, why they do the things that they do. Um, I guess always having a, a level of self-awareness about myself and looking to develop that over the years, um, it became apparent after a certain amount of time that there were still a lot of people around me that didn't have a high level of, um, of self-awareness and some of those were in really high-powered jobs. And, you know, it, it soon became apparent that those people had a, an effect on people around them that they just didn't seem to understand and they would push on regardless of how they were making people around them feel. So over the years, uh, as I said, I was observing this and but I didn't really understand what it is behind that behaviour. So obviously neuroscience is the study of our brains and our nervous systems and how they impact our behaviours. Um, so during COVID, funnily enough, I actually pursued some study in this particular area and I did an advanced diploma of neuroscience of leadership. So my background in the previous 10 years had been working in career transition um, and I'd really enjoyed that field of helping people who were between roles, often made redundant, um, coming from what could be potentially the worst day of their life being able to offer them support and guidance to take them through, let's be honest, a journey of discovery and in a lot of ways a journey of self-awareness to get them to finding more about their purpose, what actually drove them, what made them excited and wanting to get out of bed in the morning and ultimately securing a role that was actually better suited for them in the long term. So they would go from this terrible day of being told that they no longer had a job to going through this emotional roller coaster and then finding something that was actually better suited. So coming off the back of that experience, I started to think more about the brain and how it really does impact our lives, obviously, and yet none of us are given a manual. 
none of us are told you're walking around with this huge computer on your shoulders, but you really need to work out how it works. We've all just sort of gone the trial and error way, and we know how that mostly doesn't work. So the study of neuroscience is to give you a better understanding about your brain and how you can minimize or you can manage your behaviors based on understanding your biases, your threat and reward responses, the fact that the brain is has a has a need to be in a social environment with other people, but every single brain is different. So when I was doing the study, all of these things that we intrinsically know but has never been spelled out to us, I had all these light bulbs going off in my brain going, oh, wow, this all makes so much sense. How can I incorporate that into the career transition, executive coaching and leadership development of the business that I had actually set up? And that's where the journey began. Oh, that's great, Sharon. So um, I, there's some really great um uh, pieces that I, I that I want to dig into. As you know, the the listener is tends to be a small business owner who is trying to navigate their way through this maze of of stuff that they that we have to deal with on a daily basis. You and I are in that in that situation, and we're running our own small businesses. So I'd really I'd love to um, have a look at the application of what it is that you're doing with people into, you know, the transition, they're, they're leaving a job that they didn't like, or maybe they're in a job and they and they like it, but they just haven't been able to find the passion in it. So, you know, how do you help them um, uncover that? And then what would the lesson from that, you know, what could the listener then use from, um, from that process to either find passion for themselves in the, in the business that they're in or how would they then create that environment for their staff so that their staff can actually – so they don't lose their staff because we all know the cost of losing staff is just horrendous and then trying to find and replace them. Absolutely. And, you know, at the moment there is a skill shortage um, there is a war for talent, as we're aware, and there is also the saying that people don't leave jobs, they leave managers. So, you know, part of what people might do is we talk about psychological safety in the workplace and what that actually looks like. Um, psychological safety is not a HR issue. It's not up to HR. I mean, they can oversee programs and they can talk about psychological safety, but it is an individual effort. Every single person in an organisation is responsible for psychological safety. And psychological safety is about having feeling safe and confident um, that you can speak up without fear of humiliation or rejection or ridicule, um, that you can work well with others and whilst understanding that every brain is different and everyone is going to bring something different to the table. Um, and when you have true psychological safety in a workplace, you have a culture of innovation, collaboration and engagement that will naturally come. Now, I know a lot of people do engagement surveys, um, but that's often a lag indicator of where the business actually is. And you really need to get in front of that and say, how do we create this environment of psychological safety? Um, it comes from leaders developing that self-awareness and there's a variety of different tools that, that can be used in order to get people to start thinking about their own behaviours in the workplace. 
we all have something called an emotional wake. So emotions are contagious. Um, whatever we take into the workplace, particularly as leaders, is generally what our peers will take on board. So you'll, well, I'm sure this has happened to everyone before, where you're all having an okay day and someone storms into the office and they're in a very bad mood and you instantly feel it and the whole level of productivity in the team just naturally drops. So as leaders and even as peers and colleagues, we need to understand the impacts of our emotional wake. Um, we need to manage those and understanding neuroscience and the brain gives you those tools to actually be able to manage your responses. So in a situation where you might automatically react in an angry manner because of previous biases, previous experiences that you've had in a similar situation, neuroscience teaches you to actually recognise those biases and those automatic responses to step back, reframe and actually respond differently. It could be instead of anger, what about curiosity? Why am I feeling like this? Why is, why is this person making me feel this way? And that's the difference between a psychologically safe and a non-psychologically safe environment where you've got people who are more aware of their behaviours and therefore are not responding in their automatic way and then creating this eruption of anger or discontent. In small businesses, it's understandable that you know, they might not have the budget to, to bring in a team of experts, but that's where working with someone like yourself, for example, Steve, is so important for them that they can get that outside perspective because, again, we're all the product of our biases and particularly in small organisations or small teams, you can often fall into the trap of this is the way we've always done things. Majority of the time it's working, whether it is or not, but bringing in an outside expert is always going to give them another level of clarity. It's going to give them a different way of thinking, a way to challenge some of their pre-existing beliefs and biases. And I think that is so important for an organisation to be able to learn and grow. You know, the future of work is changing and it's changing very rapidly. And I think only the really agile businesses are going to survive long term. I mean, obviously, we, you know, we both come from corporate uh, or had a corporate background. Um, and so, yeah, I understand that it's relatively simple to put your hand in the coffers and pull out money f to bring in experts. Um, and so the the small business owner, you know, they, they see the value of bringing in consultants when they see the value. You talked about uh, awareness, right? And that's, you know, going back in my career, um, you know, 30 plus years ago, it was the conversation was around emotional intelligence, you know, and all of the books that were then written about how you could become more emotionally aware of your feelings. And, you know, as a bloke in a large corporate environment, you dare not speak about your feelings, right? Um, uh, otherwise, you get pilloried. I think we've moved on from that now, or have we? That's, uh, I guess that's a question. But assuming that we have, what is a what is a tool that someone could use when they are not aware of their feelings or their emotions? And you know what are what are they looking for in their behaviour to give them the signal that maybe something is not right? 
I think uh, any overt emotional reaction, such as anger, fear, threat, um, we all recognise these things. Like you know when you're getting angry. Um, It starts with what is inside you, obviously, and recognising your own emotional state. I think self-awareness goes that one step further where it's actually about recognising how the environment around you is responding. So, yes, it is about recognising your own feelings and what is your response, but it's how other people are then responding to you. Um, Because as a leader, that is key. If you're going to lead people, uh, you need to build trust, rapport, empathy. And, yes, like vulnerability is a really important key strength now in leadership, which it wasn't. 20 and 30 years ago. But it's also about understanding what vulnerability means. It's not, none of us want to have a leader who comes in and cries in their, in the corner of their office every day. That wouldn't really instill a sense of, of trust <laughs> amongst any of us. Vulnerability is actually being able to have the strength to say, I've made a mistake and I need to go back and fix that. It is actually recognizing that we are humans, we are not AI, mistakes will happen, but, you know, we need to acknowledge this. As leaders, we need to acknowledge it so that our peers can also feel the confidence in order to do that because what has happened in some situations, and, you know, I've read stories of people that work in medical fields where someone has been uh, uncomfortable raising um, a question with a senior medical staff member um, because they're not feeling psychologically safe, they're not feeling respected or heard, and then that can really cause some major issues, Um, you know, potentially uh, a death of a a human being. I mean, obviously, in, in corporate environment, It might not be that bad an outcome, but there's still a lot of things, um, a lot of issues that can be avoided if people feel confident enough to speak out. Now, that confidence has to come from their leader, and that has to be about seeing them also as another human being that has empathy and vulnerability, but also has strength and leadership, but wants to listen to the people around them and not just tell them what it is that they should be doing. I believe that leaders, true leaders, are the ones that speak last in the room, not the ones that speak first, because they should allow space for their team to speak before they add their opinion in. Otherwise, people are just going to mimic what they say. So there's a lot of different tools, as I mentioned previously. One of my favourite ones that we that comes from the neuroscience field is Dr. David Rock's uh, SCARF model, which is about understanding that um, we have five social drivers um, and they all uh, are important to us. There's significance or status, uh, certainty, autonomy, relatedness and fairness. So we have all of these needs within us to a certain extent, but there'll be one or two that are key drivers for us. And as an individual, it's always great to do a team workshop where you get your team to actually identify what their key driver is and then share it with the rest of the group. And it will actually explain a lot about different people's behaviours. You will see people, particularly if they're in a sales-related field, 
they'll be very high in the S, the significance. You know, they're very competitive. They have a high need to win. And that's great. If they're working in sales, you want someone like that. But someone who has a high need for one of the others, such as certainty or autonomy, they might look at the S and think, oh, wow, I don't understand you at all. But again, it is about understanding every brain is different. Everyone is going to be motivated by different things. And in fact, a great team is one where you have true diversity. You have lots of different people from lots of different social drivers, different backgrounds, just because when you sit down to solve a problem and everyone's working together, they're going to have different ideas about how to solve that problem. And that's why it's so important. And we know that diversity is important, but it's about how do you get that good balance of diversity while you're also appreciating that everyone is going to respond to a situation differently. And that's the key. And that's the difference between psychological safety and not psychological safety. So if I understand you correctly, um, and by the way, um, you know, we're singing from the same <laughs> hymn book here. <laughs> so, I can yeah, what I'm hearing is that the leader uh, creates the opportunity for people to be uh, open and honest because they themselves are open and honest. Yes. They're creating a space for people to express themselves without fear of uh, contra- I mean, contradictions, probably not the right, but, but, but fear of being... Um, being ridiculed, uh, humiliated. Ridicule. Yeah. Thank you. That's the right. We, we were talking about this before we came on air yeah. about, you know, COVID. I haven't had COVID. I've just got grey hair. That's my, that's, that's my excuse for not remembering words. Um, so we've got this, we've got this space where, uh, people feel, feel safe and they can communicate with each other. Um, and I, you know, I'm of the belief that you build strong relationships with people so you can have conversations that are difficult. Yes. You know, so that you can be, you know, we always talk about, you know, that you hurt the ones that you love the most because you're the closest to them and they know that you're, you're coming from a place of love. So we've got this environment now that we've created. We now have to perform, right? So each of us now needs to be able to, mm-hmm. to, to do the things that we're meant to be doing. Given that we've earned the right job, we've got some passion around that. How does psychological safety then transmit into improved performance? Um, uh, you know, the, the fact that I, I want to get up and I want to go to work. How does that relate? Mm. Well, psychological safety is not the absence of accountability. And I think this is one of the myths that are out there that psychological safety is about telling everyone how amazing they are every day and every idea has to, has to be, has to get up. And it's not that at all. But it's about allowing people, as you say, the ability to be themselves, to bring their true selves to work without fear of ridicule or humiliation. And we know that from a brain perspective, social pain is recognised by the brain almost as much as physical pain. So we will do anything in our power to avoid feeling bad, to avoid being humiliated. Um, so when you create that environment where people can bring their true selves to work, but there's also a level of accountability, then you'll find this is where you get high-performing teams. So again, it's not about saying, oh, just take it easy and I don't want to push you. And, you know, it's not that at all. Um, 
to have a psychologically safe environment, it's about not making the issue for the individual worse, but it is also about creating that environment where they are driven by purpose, they are energised because everyone's on the same page, everyone's there to get a job done. Yes, they can speak out. Their idea may or may not be used, but then they can feel safe continuing to bring up new ideas. Um, and that's what we're seeing in high-performing teams. It's just the difference between feeling safe and connected to your purpose and aligned with your team members, being recognised and respected by your leader and vice versa, respecting your leader as well. So so when it goes pear-shaped, yes. right, because we're, we're talking kumbaya yes. here, or, or people might hear it as kumbaya, mm-hmm. right? So we get into this this, this um, space and because we've got a psychological psychologically safe environment, nothing's ever going to go wrong. But we know that that doesn't happen, right? We know that people make mistakes. You do have somebody turn up in the office who's just, you know, someone's cut them off or they've had a, you, you don't know yep. what's going on in their life, right? They, they're going through a, 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 you know, personal crisis of some sort and they're taking it out on everybody around them. Well, how do you then use that environment that you've created around you when it goes badly? How do you then use the the workshop that you had or the team that you've built to actually call out that behaviour or have a conversation with that person? Yeah. Oh, look, you're absolutely right, Steve. You know, this is the thing about the human condition. Um, we are far from perfect. We will never be perfect. No one's ever going to do exactly what you want them to do all of the time. And it's not about having this perfect work environment all of the time. Um, of course, there's going to be moments where even as a leader, you're going to come in and you're going to be, uh, you know, I spilt my coffee on my shirt, the dog ate my homework, all of these things that went wrong. And, you know, It's not about saying, you know, I've got to snap out of it and sing Kumbaya. But it is, again, when you're developing that self-awareness is that you do become aware of it and you might see the way that people are reacting to you when you storm into the office and you slam down your laptop and you look around and you see people's faces. And that's where the self-awareness part of the psychological safe environment comes in. Now, at that point, you're seeing how your behaviour is being perceived and you have a choice. You can say, right, well, you know, my anger is more important. I'm going to continue to, to go with this, even though I know it's making people feel uncomfortable. Or in that moment, you might take yourself out of the room, go and have a coffee, even if you've got to step away from your desk for 10, 15 minutes, whatever it takes in order to recenter so that you know that when you're going back into the room, you're actually taking in better energy. It might not be the most positive energy, but it's not going to be that angry response. And the other part of, you know, self-awareness is we've all heard of mindfulness. And sometimes in these moments where you are having a bad day, five minutes of mindfulness can actually change that and just, again, bring you back to, hey, I'm at work, other people are around me, I have a responsibility, it's not just me here. So why don't I just show off how I'm feeling right now and make it a more professional environment? Now, you know, some people are going to be much better at doing this than others. And there's going to need to be some coaching along the way. 
This is why it's so important for leaders to understand this first and foremost, because people are going to look to them for guidance and, you know, for clues on how that they should act. But if you have someone in your team who continually is coming in in a heightened, you know, emotional response, then there will be a difficult conversation. And again, psychological safety isn't about not having these difficult conversations. It's about actually creating a space where people feel safe to actually talk about what it is that might really be happening with them. And you're right. All kinds of things are going on in people's lives. We don't have a work brain and a home brain. We don't switch one off and put the other one on. We often bring work-related issues home and home-related issues to work and, and you know, the consequences of that can mean all kinds of emotional outbursts. But again, it's about creating a space where if you take someone aside and ask them, you know, what is going on, hopefully you've been able to build that trust and that empathy and understanding to allow them to actually tell you. And that may be something that can be fixed from a work perspective. It might be something that they need external counselling, but at least you're starting that conversation with them where they can feel like they can actually talk to you as a leader. So, and and again, you're right, you could have the best psychologically safe team and one person could leave and another person comes in, can throw the whole thing out of balance. So that's why it needs to be constantly monitored. And, you know, I work with a company called Conductor Software that actually do psychological safety. They call it the PS25 um, engagement or workplace survey. Um, And that helps monitor um, some of these situations. So they recommend running this survey every six months to get a good understanding of what is actually happening within your teams, within your organisation. Um, it really drills down into, you know, the details of who in your team is feeling psychologically safe and it gives you the opportunity to actually then go and address some of those issues and start those conversations with people. Oh, th- thanks, Sharon. That's great. And, you know, and I've been in that situation where I've been the boss and I've come in and, as you know, I you know I spent um, 10 years in Papua New Guinea and the people who were sitting in my chair demanded uh, some level of respect. Sometimes it was warranted, sometimes it wasn't, you know, uh, depending on the individual. But there was always this question about whether the staff could question the boss, right? And that was more cultural than any than anything. In, in this situation where you have the boss that's the one that's not behaving or the leader is the one that's not be- behaving, how do you, and I'm going to put you on the spot with this question, right? Because this is a tough one. I I, I know that I know I, I know that this is hard, right? And and we don't. I, I know we don't always have the answers because in the moment it's hard, right? The the person who's sitting as an employee, there is this question over how far can I push my boss? They're the ones that actually is creating all of this, but they also pay my my wage. What what what's a like a hack that someone could could you know? Do you have a smiley face that's sitting under this? this can, you, can you bring that up? So you know, is the is the is there a hack, or do you, or does it every situation demand um, you know thought? I think this is very much an individual. Uh, there's not a one size fits all solution, and it and it is a very very difficult situation, and it's it's quite common, sadly. 
um, where it's actually at the very top where people are feeling that lack of, of safety and um, it is really, really difficult to to address because who in the organisation is actually going to go to the CEO or the managing director and say, we have a problem with your behaviour, with your behavioural styles? Um, you know, I've spoken to some senior HR people about this and it's, it's always really, really difficult. Um, in some instances where there's a board involved, it might be that they will engage uh, a coach for the CEO, um, but again, that conversation has to be very, very carefully uh, managed because no one wants to feel like they are not performing. Um, and again, this is where I think we need to change the way we view executive coaching for a start. Um, I have a belief that we spend often spend more time and money on servicing our cars than we do on actually servicing our careers or, you know, our, our how we lead people. And we need to stop thinking of it as a stigma that, oh, if I need a coach, there's something wrong with me. It's not that at all. We can't possibly know everything. And the world is changing so rapidly. And our expectations of ourselves and others is changing so rapidly. Um, you look at what's happened globally with Me Too movements where, you know, people are now saying you we will no longer accept this way of, of being treated. So I think it's important that all leaders, no matter how senior or, or where you fit, you, you know, engage a mentor, speak to other leaders, engage a coach, um, you know, always be looking for ways that you can improve yourself and help you improve how you lead others. Um I know this doesn't actually answer your question of what you do when you have someone at the top that is uh, unwilling to maybe look at some of these options. Um, it is a very, very difficult situation, as I said. And, um, I, yeah, I'm sorry, I don't have, a, <laughs> have an answer for that. No, it's, it's, you know, and I think that's the point, um, is that there isn't, you know, you, you, you actually expressed the problem really really well right and and this is the problem of of the employee and the outcome if there isn't that psychologically safe environment in place the outcome is the employee leaves because they don't feel as though they can have a conversation with someone maybe it's not the managing director maybe it's their maybe it's their manager that sits above them right um, and so that creates um, you know so that creates a problem for the organization so you know for the small business owner who's listening to this and if you've got a continual um, you know parade of people who are joining and leaving joining and leaving joining and leaving um, it's probably you know pointing one finger at them and three back at yourself because have a you know have a look at what's causing that that turnaround Dave Shillington I interviewed him or we had a we had a podcast um, he was one of the very first people who came onto the this podcast and he was talking Dave Shillington's a, a rugby league player ex um, Hoi Tui, um, <laughs> Queenslander. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, he's a great. He's a great guy. D- does a lot of work in the uh, in the uh, mental uh, wellness space, and he's his coach when he was at East's um, 
uh, the Roosters was Freddie Fittler, right? And Freddie back then encouraged Dave to go and see a co- uh, go and see a, a, a coach, um, a mindful coach, because he was seeing it, and it wasn't because he was broken; it was because he just wanted to keep well <laughs> it's like you know um so I, I know i'm conflating the two here in in my response but i think you know for a business owner to be aware of uh the have a look at your bottom line and have a look at where the efficiencies are compared to what it you think it should be and then you'll probably find that it's somewhere in your people that the that the issue is it's not in your marketing or sales strategy it's it's somewhere well, in your 100 percent. and you know simon Sinek, who i absolutely adore and follow and he has a great saying that is you know all of your employees are people all of your customers are people um, so if you don't think you're in the people business, then you're not in business at all. And it's true. Um, you know, people are your most important resource. And we know that and it's repeated often. But how many people actually take that for what it actually is? And be cu- I would say to any leaders out there, continue to be curious. You may think that you've nailed your leadership style. You may think that you're really good at what you do, but continue to be curious. Continue to ask yourself questions or, as I said, find a mentor um, who will ask you some of those questions that you haven't asked yourself. We're all a product of our biases and it's good to have another point of view to challenge that, even if ultimately you maintain that you think the way you're doing things are right is right. It's good to be challenged um, because once we lose that curiosity, unfortunately, you know, it, it's just not good for you. It's not good for the people that you are responsible for. It's not good for your business. And as you were saying before, if you're in a business where you are getting high staff turnover, then you really need to start asking yourself questions right now. And if you're not doing it already, there should be exit interviews there should be you should be doing the psychological safe engagement um, survey. You should be engaging people to come in and have a look at some of the reasons why people are leaving your business. Um, and there can be some simple fixes. It doesn't mean that you're spending, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars for some of these things. It, it some of them can be addressed really quickly and easily. Um, as you'd be aware of having done this yourself, I'm sure. Um, that's a great segue into talking about what you do because um, I, I know that you've got a particular um, service that you provide organisations. So maybe we could just talk a little bit about that and, um, you know, who you serve and, and what's, the, what's the value that you, that you bring to the table. Yep. So People Mode offers uh, career transition programs, executive coaching and leadership development, um, as you mentioned, with a particular emphasis on psychological safety. So it's all about really the circle. Um, We go into organisations that may be having some issues and look at their psychological safety. So we run some workshops initially. We have three uh, separate three-hour workshops that are based around individual psychological safety around team psychological safety and then the organisation's psychological safety. 
from those workshops, often there'll be areas that are identified where people might need just some brief one-on-one coaching, which we also provide. And sometimes through some changes and uh, some of the things that come up, people also require career transition, which we also provide. So, you know, there are there are times within organisations where unfortunately people are required to leave and career transition, instead of being a, a terrible experience, can actually be a positive experience for people. As I mentioned before, it can mean that people can go on and actually find organisations where they're more closely aligned with their purpose. Um, and I think that's that's actually a really good thing. We've got to stop thinking about transition as being this terrible, terrible thing. And yes, it can be stressful. Um, but You know, we're all about helping create healthy organisations where people are more purpose aligned. Um, They can work together and create this great sense of, you know, as human beings, we want to contribute. The majority of us, yes, we like getting paid for our work and we need that. But more than that, you know, studies have shown that we don't want to just get paid for our work. We want the acknowledgement of a job well done, but we also want to feel like we are contributing to something greater than ourselves. And I think this is where, again, the psychological safety part is so important because it can help people reach that. And when they're working in unison like that towards a common goal, that's when, you know, amazing things can happen. So I know that myself and my team of coaches We absolutely love the work we do because we've seen some absolute remarkable changes within organisations and within individuals and where people have just had these incredible light bulb moments where they've just gone, oh, wow, I have been working, you know, doing the same thing over and over and over for the last 20 years and now you've just made me see what I've been doing wrong. And just by making a few changes, I can actually get a much better outcome rather than just keep on doing the same old thing, expecting a different result. And I've been to one of your, not workshops, but one of your um, lunchtime sessions, uh, really informative was uh, you know some, you had two wonderful speakers, um, and and you know the the value that we got from that was just enormous. And I know there was there was a large crowd there, and I know they got the value uh, from that session as well. So again, really important work that you're doing. We'll make sure that all of the information on your business uh, are in the show notes. Um, and if anybody wanted to reach out to you, what would be the best way for them to do that? You can email me or call me just for conversation. There's no obligation. Uh, As you say, this is my passion. I see that this is the most important thing for the future, not just of work, but um, this is going to sound, you know, a little bit out there, but it's it's the future of humanity we're talking about. If we don't understand our behaviours and um, how we can control some of the destructive behaviours we've had in the past, then we're not going to change and be able to move forward. And there's more and more challenges being presented to us every single day. Um, so I am very passionate about this. I work with a team of people who are also passionate and I surround myself with other people such as yourself, Steve, who are, you know, we're all on the same wavelength. We all get it. We're all passionate about making these changes in the world. And as Linda Ray, who is one of my mentors, would say, we're trying to change the world one brain at a time. Love that. Love that. Um 
Yes, I, and it's a movement. It is. I mean, you know, the the I think the community based um, environment that we are leading ourselves into. Uh, I think we're moving away from this centralist. You will be controlled to more individual, but not individualistic, but individuals as communities. And together, what we can do is we can learn from each other. And in the business environment, I think we, you know, we're t- I was talking about it the other day. We, we're just tired. Wow. We're, t- we're tired of, of, of this, um, this sh- what shouldn't be a struggle. Right. It shouldn't be a struggle. It it should be joyful. You know what we what we do. So you know everything that we do should have some sense of joy attached yeah. to it. Um, not always. You know that's Pollyanna, but I think the more it becomes a part of the narrative in business, where we talk about love and community and caring, the work that you do with mm-hmm. the people, in, you know, your coaches, your business, and the people that you serve, I think when if you know if we all are pushing towards that direction, then it becomes a pull strategy. Then people will see the benefit of it. They'll start to see that the value of to the bottom line is actually making a difference because of their behavior. And then the pack will follow, right? So we're at the, we're at the leading edge of, of that. So um, yeah, I, I, you know, we, and that's why we've hung out together, yeah. right? That's, that's, that's <laughs> what we're doing. We're, we're yeah. doing this because we're on the same, we're all on the same page. And I don't want it to be an echo chamber either, right? I really want there to be, you know, to be stress testing. We need to be challenged. Um, you know, again, I, I totally get that. Don't hang out with people that just echo what you already think. And this is huge. That it, you need to actually have a couple of people that you meet with who uh, think exactly the opposite from you because it will challenge your beliefs. You'll either have the evidence to support them in your discussions or hopefully you'll go away and think about why do I actually think that? Is it based on fact or is it based on some previous bias and do I need to review that? Perfect. Um, unfortunately, we are sadly running out of time. It's a shame um, because I was really enjoying we, this. Yeah, I know. Um, and I get a front row seat here. You know, I, every, each week I um, interview people and um, it just it energises me, um, you know, with the, the brilliance that come through and I and I get I get firsthand and I get to listen to the edits and do a lot so I hear it three or four times so it's wonderful um so Sharon we must do this again we'll get you back on um maybe as a panel or a, a one-on-one again but we'll definitely have you back on because I really enjoyed uh, that I knew it, I knew it would be fun Thanks, um, but it was uh, um I just have one more question and I ask this of all of my guests and what is it that you're curious about mm. um I'm curious about how we can continue to evolve and become better people. Um, you know, I see there is so much conflict in the world and it, it so much of it is unnecessary. Um, I want to continue to be on that journey of how not, I, not only can I continue to evolve myself, but how I can continue to add value to others. So I'm constantly asking questions of myself, how can I be better reading, um, you know, different studies, reading people's um, work and, you know, just continuing to push and grow and and, and learn every single day. Um, you know, we need to be students of life for life. So that's just what I continue to do. 
That's wonderful. Sharon Knightson, thank you very much for being my guest on the Inspiring Business Podcast. Thanks, Steve. Thank you again for the opportunity. I hope you enjoyed this conversation between Sharon and myself. Her clients are a different business demographic to mine, but we share a common objective to bring the opportunity to business owners and managers of creating a safe workplace for an economic benefit and value. The objective is to have your staff as raving fans for you because you've created an employer of choice environment. It doesn't happen overnight and it does take intention. This podcast was recorded in July 2022 and in this current environment where employees have the upper hand and are in demand, employees must think about what it means to be an employer of choice. It's not enough to say we pay the most. We all know people don't look for another job just because they are looking for money. They are looking for more satisfaction, feeling valued, looking for a purpose, or more likely, they are being managed poorly. And when you haven't created an environment for a difficult conversation to be had, they look elsewhere. And guess what? They move jobs and ask for extra money. So everyone thinks it's money, when in fact, it's culture. If your turnover over the past 12 months has been more than 10%, leaving out the effects of COVID, then this is having an enormous impact on your bottom line. There's the loss of expertise, the loss of productivity, a diversion of management time to recruiting, onboarding and embedding the person into the culture before they even become productive. One of the areas of the scale to success strategy that I drill down into is people. Systems and processes are important, but it's the people that are the glue that ensures any improvement is sustainable. It's one area that I've had lots of experience as a sales director, a human resource consultant, and where I trained over 250 managers and supervisors in leadership and management. And so if you're experiencing people issues, book an exploration call with me and I know that I can add value. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, go ahead and subscribe and you'll get the latest conversation every Monday morning. I'd appreciate a review on your favorite podcast platform as this helps spread the word. And my name is Steve Sandor. And there are plenty of additional resources on our website at www.inspiringbusiness.net. And my LinkedIn and Facebook links are below. I'd love to connect with you there too. Thank you for listening to the Inspiring Business Podcast. And my wish, as always, is to inspire and energize you to take action so you too can make a difference in your and others' lives.